going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is Thursday, March 7th, 2019 at about 7.05 p.m. I'm your host, Jake Brainy, and we've got a lot to talk about in a very short period of time because I've got to run real soon, so we're going to make this a quick podcast. Uh, tonight, going to go see Captain Marvel, the newest movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Really excited to go see it, and I will end this podcast with a review of said movie so if you don't want any spoilers for captain marvel uh don't worry it won't be until the end of the show anyway and then uh at the end of the podcast i'll give you a big warning to uh skip to the end and uh skip over my one minute movie review but excited for it um i'm really pumped i mean the marvel movies have only gotten better and this cinematic universe is 20 movies deep now gonna be like 25 before it's all said and done even more than that to be honest and the movies just they keep on getting better they finally are getting oscar nominations which we'll get to in a minute when we get to our news and notes and uh yeah it's you know what if you're not into it it's fine but i mean this is a big long lead up you know a lot of people you know compare this to like the game of thrones uh world because it's just been such a long lead up and to be honest it's a fair assessment i mean Game of Thrones has put in more, like, hours, I guess. Yeah, it's actually pretty close because Game of Thrones averages hour-long episodes. No, actually, no. Game of Thrones has plenty of more time, but... And yet, the more waiting and everything, but, you know, there's a lot of characters in the Marvel Universe that people care about. They've done such a good job with this. They've made so much money. It's uh, it's pretty cool that it this is going to be, like, the big year for it, and... All reviews out of Captain Marvel are pretty good, so excited to go see that tonight. But um, before we get to the Marvel portion of this episode, first want to go through some news and notes, right? So this past Sunday in Belmar, New Jersey, Belmar Parade Day for St. Patrick's Day, one of the best days of the year. It is the best non-holiday of the year. It's right up there with, uh, you know, like baseball opening day, uh memorial day friday uh like uh bros giving the night before thanksgiving you know it's parade day is right there with all of those as the best like fake holiday um for us in town unfortunately it's on a sunday but for those who live locally know all about parade day it is uh just you know an early parade but every bar is open every bar is packed and it's just like a reason to drink on a sunday and have a good time and a lot of friends are in town people come out of their way to come to this it's a really big deal for us around town and uh pretty you know it it went really well i uh usually have my grandmother's birthday afterwards uh because it's always the first sunday in march is the parade day and that's usually right around my grandmother's birthday is March 5th. So usually we go to my grandmother's birthday, but she was out of town this year. So uh, my sister and I both had excuses to be able to just get drunk without any repercussions. Because in years past, one of us would be slightly too drunk when we come over for my mom's birthday. And tell you what, not a great look. I've experienced bad looks in the past. That's a bad one. That's a not a good look when you go to my mom's birthday and... Uh, and yeah, you're a little sloshed. So, but parade day this year, very great. Uh, thought I was gonna get snow day Monday. Oh man, it was close, but uh, didn't get the snow day Monday at all. It kind of melted away and cleared the roads. But uh, still had a good night because. Speaking of Marvel Cinematic Universe, 
my girlfriend and I were back at the place, she was telling me how she still hadn't seen the most recent Thor movie and that she really wanted to see it before we saw Captain Marvel on Thursday. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you. Like the fact that she requested that we watch Thor, which I'll get to that later because we're going to go over my top five favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Uh, where, where does Thor Ragnarok land on that? Does it land on that? Who knows? We'll get to that a little bit later. But pretty cool to watch that movie on a Sunday night because I like a good Sunday night program. So, yeah. So, uh, Parade Day was a success. Was a success. Wow, stuttering over here. Parade Day was a success. And uh, it kicks off a great month of March. I've got some big things. Tomorrow night, I'm going to go see Elton John with my parents in uh, New York. And, and we're going to see it at... I believe the Barclay Center in Brooklyn. That'll be a lot of fun. Later this month, going to the Big East Tournament. Actually, later, that's next Friday. Going to the Big East Tournament. Uh, Friday after that, I'm taking off. and I'm going to Atlantic City to go uh, you know, bet on the sports book and bet on the uh, opening round of the NCAA Tournament. Uh, going to see Dane Cook later in the month. Dueling Piano Bar. It got a lot of fun things in March. March is a good month because you get out of February, you get out of all the crap, and and finally March is like, you know, you don't always get great weather, but you have events starting, and then once March ends, it's like sports haven too because then you've got baseball opening day, Masters, Final Four, NFL draft comes around. Like it, it really starts to roll in April. March into April is a great transition month. Uh, February, March, another great one, but you guys all know number one is April into May. So the next, the, this past one and the next two month rollovers, it only gets better from here. We've knocked out the two worst months of the year. And you know what? In, in this NBA season where there hasn't been a whole lot to watch, uh, I'm ready for baseball. I'm starting to gear myself up to Indians baseball, Cavs basketball. You know, there's been watchable moments. I think they're uh, an up and coming team, but it's a lot of hard to watch stuff. And every time you turn on Twitter, the only things people talk about in the NBA are Kyrie being angry, LeBron's team being an absolute failure, and you know I'm just sitting here like, hey guys, come on home, let's let's settle this. Don't go to LA and settle it there. They don't want LeBron there. LeBron, get yourself out of LA. Let's come back to Cleveland. Let's run it back. Let's take back the East, and let's have a couple good years before Bronny Jr., Chetty Oshman. And uh, and Larry Nance Jr. take over. So why not, right? Anyway, all right. So um, other things, though, going on. Booked a couple trips this past week. One with my girlfriend where I'm going to San Francisco at the end of May. Going to go out there for a wedding. So if anyone has some tips or things I got to do in and around San Francisco, we've got a couple days to kill and want to do something fun uh, and like outside of San Fran or in San Fran. So if you've got any suggestions, let me know. And also at the end of August, going to go to a bachelor party in Chicago. So pretty pumped about that one too. And if you guys have some ideas on Chicago, I, I have a couple family members that live there. I'm going to be hitting up uh, a lot of, I've been to Chicago, have had a lot of fun there and uh, excited to go back. So if you've got any tips for San Fran and Chicago, you hit me up and let me know. All right. So the big news recently, and I'm, I think I'm a week late on this one, but we're still going to talk about it anyway, is the Oscars, right? Um, this was a big Oscars year for me because I saw all the movies, and I made my predictions, and to, to be honest, my predictions were pretty close. I thought Glenn Close was going to win, instead Olivia Coleman won. Um, 
I wanted Green Book to win. I didn't think it had a chance. I thought it should win. I didn't think it would win, and I was shocked to see that it did win. I'm very happy for Green Book. Um, it was it was a great movie. Of all the movies I saw, um, I didn't see the favorite and Roma. I I wasn't. I need to give a better chance to, especially after it took home so many awards. I need to see Roma, and I got to go see the favorite now too. But uh, of the rest, though, you know, I thought Green Book was better than Black Panther, Black Klansman, certainly Bohemian Rhapsody, and A Star Is Born. Um, I'm, I'm happy at one. I'm glad. I think it deserved it. A lot of people are mentioning things like, you know, oh, uh, where do they get the right, you know, uh, stretching the truth here or, uh, you know, waxing poetically about things that aren't really true. It's like, you know, people mention, remember the Titans, how that's not exactly true or Rudy and how they kind of stretch the truth on a couple things there and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. So that happens in a lot of movies, right? And then, and then, of course, I made that a big uh, point against Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Well, the thing about Green Book is, it's the the story is through the eyes of Viggo Mortensen. People need to remember he's the main character, not Doctor David Shirley, okay, uh, who played by Mah- Mahershal Ali, who so deserved Best Supporting Actor, and I'm glad he did win. Um, so, you know, people are angry, mainly Dr. Shirley's family, that the, uh, the writer of the movie, the kid who played, um, the kid of Viggo Mortensen's character, uh, he's pissed, their, their family's pissed that this guy didn't come to them for Dr. Shirley's take on it. And to be honest, Dr. Shirley's view of this doesn't matter as much because the movie is through the eyes of Viggo Mortensen's character and that's the important part that we need to remember is that it's not supposed to be affected by it was how black people live in 1962 or 7 whichever year it was and and that's how he saw it because he had never spent that much time with an African-American, never had to deal with the South before, so this was all new to him, and this was how he was experiencing it, and how he saw through Dr. Shirley's eyes. And since it was his son speaking on his behalf, I I gotta think this is a pretty trustworthy way to go about it. So I'm not angry that they didn't get the other version of it, and that the Shirley family wanted a different view of it, because it's like, it, it's not Dr. Shirley's story, it's it's Tony the Lips story play, you know, that's Viggo Mortensen's character. So uh, I don't have any complaints there. And I and I certainly don't think it was a stretch of the truth because the whole movie was from the view of Tony Lip. Um, you know, the, the other side of it is, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, and I'm getting after Bohemian Rhapsody and they're saying, well, you shouldn't get after Bohemian Rhapsody. The other thing is, you know, this story was much less known than the story of Queen. You know, one of the most famous bands of all time. You know, Live Aid's one of the most famous concerts of all time. These were national news items that they... And and, and Brian Mays, he's friggin' alive. You know, the guy telling the story's alive. So, like, that's another angle, is that these things... You can't mess these things up so egregiously when, A, the people are alive, B, there were nationally known things, and C, they weren't that long ago. You know, it's one thing to be screwing up something from the 60s when it's from one guy's point of view of a story that's really not that well known. 
It's another thing to mess up something that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. People are still alive from that. And you're messing up things years in advance of each other. Like, I just think some of the errors were a little too egregious. So that's just my little take on on why Green Book, I don't have a problem with it winning. I'm happy for it. Um, other things, you know, Alfonso Cuaron cleaned up, right? Fifth fifth director in six years to be from, uh, you know, for to win Best Director and be from Mexico. Because Cuaron was won twice, Enrique has won twice, and uh, Guillermo del Toro won for uh, last year for the, uh, you know, water movie shape of water so uh it's pretty and, and funny enough they all know each other from like growing up too so i don't think that gets enough pub right now is that they are just absolutely owning the game uh and and you know i'm, I'm glad cron cleaned up i'm definitely gonna have to give roma a second chance i know it was beautifully shot but i need to give it like another another view and uh pretty awesome that it just absolutely you know it it cleaned up at the movies Roma or at the Oscars and uh, a lot of people were thinking it was going to at the last second win for best picture and if that was the case that would have been stunning but uh, to, to have a foreign film win best picture doesn't happen a whole lot uh, that would have been cool uh, but I was pretty happy for Green Book too um, Black Panther won a bunch of awards including um, best score uh, didn't win best original song which would have been really cool, but you know it was hard to beat *Stars Born*. You know for uh, *The Shallows*, which yeah, I have no problem with that winning. It was the most famous song for sure, but I think Kendrick Lamar's *All the Stars* was just as good of a song. It's just that it wasn't performed so dramatically. Um, you know, *Black Panther* cleaned up some good awards. You know, we're we're on Marvel this week, but you know, this isn't the first superhero movie that deserved awards. And uh, it seems like it's the one to break through. Why? Well, a lot of the things going on are right now are race related, and I think um, you know in society we have to take into account what these movies do with a societal impact. Um, I was listening to an interview a week or two ago uh, on Lights, Camera, Barstool. And they had, I feel feel bad, I forget the guy's name, but um, he's he's from Leverage, he's from, a, a, he's, he's in Creed 2, uh, pretty good actor, uh, Aldous Hodge is his name, sorry. And and Hodge is a voter for the on the Academy and mentioned that sometimes for best picture, it's not what's shot the best, what the best story is, but people vote for what has the bis, biggest cultural impact. And uh, I think Black Panther, that's why it's getting so much pub this year, is because of that. Because, you know, in terms of the Marvel movies, it's really good, but is it better than some of these other ones that have come through that didn't get the same pub? No, because those just get looked at as just another uh, superhero movie. And this got looked at as a whole lot more than that, which I... Give it credit for. I think it. Uh, I, I'm not hating on it for that. I just think it's like, hey, you know what? Uh, it's about time somebody did. You know, somebody got credit for it. And you know, superhero movies are movies too. And you looked at all of the presenters. Oh my God, there were like 20 presenters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It seemed like every time an award was presented, one of the two presenters was from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was pretty crazy. Uh, I want to pull up that list. 
Right? Like, you know, if you just look at, you had Michael B. Jordan, Chris Evans, who, by the way, are in the Marvel Cinematic Universe twice for their most recent roles, and then also both playing Johnny Storm. Tessa Thompson, Michael Keaton, side characters, but still in the universe. Samuel Jackson, Di- uh, Dana Guerrero, oh, I always fuck up her name, but um, big characters. James McAvoy, not exactly in this side of the universe yet, but once the merger goes through and X-Men are in, he's in. Sam Rockwell, people forget he was the villain in Iron Man 3, or uh, Iron Man 2, sorry. Um, Brie Larson, obviously Captain Marvel. Paul Rudd, Chadwick Boseman, huge actual Avengers. Those were all presenters at the Oscars. So, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, you know... Not use, not give credit to superhero movies and stuff like that, and say like, oh, you know, it's it's based on comics and things, and it's like, all right, fine, if that's gonna be your angle, but but then you use their stars to, uh, you know, to to present your awards, and then you keep on using the movies in your promos and everything like that, like time to give him some credit so good on black panther for uh final big through and good on spider-man into the spider-verse that was one of the best movies of 2018 it's one of the best animated movies you'll ever see it's shot so well it's so cool it's a great story the acting's funny and it's awesome like action and stuff uh they got really good actors for it it's a cool story and i hope they expand on it it was a great movie and it won Best Animated Picture, and it deserved it. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped for that, too. Looks like it was a big turning point for superhero music movies, um, you know, in general. Um, other other things I, I noticed, you know, uh, Coleman, Mahershala Ali, and uh, King all really deserved their awards. But I felt Bale was robbed by Rami Malek. Now, I went into the night thinking... Those my big upset moments were going to be when Malik won and when Bohemian Rhapsody won. Now, Bohemian Rhapsody didn't win, so I can live with Rami Malik winning because I thought Rami Malik was good. I just didn't think he was better than Christian Bale. You know, Rami Malik, I always thought, I, I never thought was Freddie Mercury mainly because he wasn't singing; he was lip syncing, uh, which you know, the, and even even for his big acting points in when they show that like little solo moment to show how good of an actor he was it was when he was lip-syncing so i i think you know let's not give him too much credit for that i thought christian bale i mean he transformed his body he played a, the part to the t to the point where i was watching the movie and i never once thought that it was christian bale i always thought it was dick cheney and i think that goes without saying like when you can do that you're, you're an incredible actor and you're doing an incredible acting job with rami malik i i was you know, I thought he was he did a good job, but not like a tremendous, outstanding Academy Award worthy job. I thought Bale deserved it. Um Okay, so you know, that's that's it from the Oscars. I had a couple hot takes. I had five big hot takes. I'm just gonna lay those out. Number one, and our number five, Bradley Cooper, not that great of a singer. I'm sorry. Like, I think he's fine. I think he's just a normal guy singing. Um number four, Black Klansman was close to winning, right? But I thought Black Panther was closer. I think Black Panther was just a complete good movie. 
I still I don't understand why everyone loved John David Washington so much. I thought he was like okay. I thought he slowed down the movie more than anything else. He was a, little, a bit robotic at times. Um, we also saw like how it was coming and the penultimate moments and 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 like when it was going to happen and why it was going to happen. So that didn't really surprise me all that much. Uh, which you could say about Black Panther too. So I guess I won't really like you know harp on that too much, but. Okay, um, I, I think Black Plansman's music also really needed some improvement. Black Panther's music was great. Okay, number three, the editing in Bohemian Rhapsody, while it won multiple awards, it was trash. I mean, they messed up so many parts in the editing. Uh, didn't think that deserved it at all. Was very disappointed with the sound editing, with the actual editing. Disappointed. Number two, I already said this, Malik wasn't that good. You know he he was he was good. He wasn't tremendous Academy Award worthy. Uh, I thought he was third or fourth best actor in the category. And number one, you know th this is a hot take apparently, but Green Book was the best movie. It was the best movie all in all. I've watched it multiple times because it's so good, and, and I think it deserved it. So anyway, that's my Oscar roundup. Uh, went a little bit longer than I thought, so we'll. We'll have to quickly run through my other things before we finish up with the Marvel. So, um, on to sports, right? Uh, MLB, we're still in spring training. Not a whole lot. Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies. Uh, you know what? I I think the Phillies, it doesn't improve them that much because I think Bryce Harper's good, but uh, I think when it comes down to it, they're already in a very loaded division. They might not even make the playoffs. So, it's that's going to be a fun division to watch. Uh, the Indians, however, uh, they have not made many moves to improve their team. They have not done anything but slash payroll and made their lineup a bit weaker. But but they still have that rotation, and if they can stay healthy, and if they can continue their dominance and their progression forward, these younger guys, they're going to run away with the division. And who knows, if they can stay healthy and be ready for the playoffs, remember, anything can happen in the baseball playoffs. I've been negative recently because they've only gotten worse, and, and look, they're 2-9 and nine in their last 11 playoff games. Uh, they've been swept by the Astros. They lost three straight to the Cubs and the Yankees in, in series where, you know, both those series, they had both teams on the ropes. Uh, they've lost six straight elimination games, seven straight. Sheesh. So you know, it's there are a lot of disappointing things about the Indians, but I think you know their their floor is still like a wild card team because their pitching is that good. So stay healthy, get the things together. You have some young outfielders. They might be able to surprise people. I mean, if these outfielders add anything to their lineup, which has two MVP candidates. If Carlos Santana and Jason Kipnis bounce back even just a little bit, I, they have a chance to, you know what, just get to the playoffs. They should get to the playoffs, and then once you're in the playoffs, and anything goes. We've seen that every year. Red Sox, the year two years before they won the World Series, they weren't that good. Then the year before they won the World Series, okay, this team is really good. And then they won the World Series. So it's like it, things can happen really quick. And when you have pitching... People are jealous of you. All right, enough baseball. I talked to NBA before, enough NBA. NFL, though, hey, combine just happened. Uh, 
Not going to go into a huge recap because we'll talk plenty of football coming up up to the draft. That's over the next few weeks. But the recap, there were some blazing speed. We got a couple of big DBs that, that really shook it up a bit. But the big thing was the wide receivers. We knew Andale's Isabella was going to be fast. We knew the three Ohio State guys were going to be fast. And Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell flew. But DK Metcalf at 220-something pounds was flying by guys. Not to mention his vertical was crazy and his broad jump was crazy. Uh, you know, this monster, Calvin Johnson-esque receiver from Ole Miss that everybody got excited for, but people are forgetting he really doesn't have that lateral quickness. He doesn't cut well. I mean, his three-cone and his L-cone drill, very bad scores. Um, his shuttle, awful, like one of the worst. So he does have to work on those things. Uh, I mean, a team's going to take him in the first round. He launched himself from the 20s range right to like 9, 10, 11. Uh, So he's going to be taken early, and a team has to be ready to use him. I like him to Buffalo. I think that would be a really good mix because he is a guy that is going to stretch the field. And what does Josh Allen do? Throw downfield. I think if if I'm the Buffalo Bills and I want to get a number one wide receiver for Josh Allen, I think DK Metcalf is the way to go. I don't like that for the Browns, though. I don't think he's a Baker Mayfield-type quarterback. I think the Baker Mayfield-type quarterbacks are the guys that run really well, like Andy Isabella and Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. Uh, It's Debo Samuel, some of these guys that run really great routes, in and out, get open, Baker Mayfield will find you, get a bunch of these guys on the team. You don't need a superstar receiver. You need a bunch of guys that get open, that share the ball so that you don't owe your receivers, like, you know, one of your receivers $15 million. Now, of course, I'm saying that mainly because the rumor this week was about Odell Beckham Jr. going to the pot, possibly being traded to the Browns. Now, it sounds like the Browns lowballed the Giants, which is strange because it doesn't sound like the Browns lowball anybody these days. I mean, They kind of just throw money around and throw draft picks around and and trades and shit, you know, willy-nilly because John Dorsey is aggressive. He likes to get things done. But it sounds like the Giants don't really want to trade Odell Beckham, which I can't blame them. He's one of the best playmakers in the league, and him and Baker Mayfield would be an absolutely crazy dynamic duo. Do I think it's the best thing for the Browns? No. Would I still love it? Yes, uh, but it sounds like it would have cost them their starting defensive end, Emmanuel Ogba, their starting Pro Bowl guard, Kevin Zeitler, who is one of the best guards in football. Um, both guys, I think they'd be able to replace because they already have Austin Corbett on, on the offensive line not playing, but it does limit your depth on the O-line, and that's something that I'd rather have depth on the O-line than depth at receiver because I think protecting Baker is more important than giving him weapons. I've said that many times now, but I think people are forgetting, look, the reason the offense did so well is because Baker was on his two feet the whole time. He never got hit. We need to keep that going. And by trading Zeitler and by not improving tackle play, we're, we're running a risk of of going backwards in the protection department because I think we're slightly lucky with how often he didn't get touched as well as takeaways on defense. But anyway... It's just a rumor. It would cost a lot, though. It costs Zeitler, Ogba, Duke Johnson, and picks. And apparently the picks they offered weren't good enough. And uh, I think that's a lot. So if they don't do it, I don't blame them. 
But at the same time, if they if they do do it, it's hard not to get excited for Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. for the next four years, right? I mean, and then you groom younger wide receivers underneath him when he gets when him and Landry get too expensive and too old, you cut them loose, and I, I just think it'd be a lot of fun, and it would be taking over the AFC North. And that's mainly because Antonio Brown, he's going to be gone soon. He, it sounds like he's going to be traded tomorrow, uh, Friday, when probably the day you're listening to this. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, they already said he's gone. Now they're starting to sign their offensive line, which is a good idea if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I always like ensuring your offensive line because I think they make everyone else better, whereas a wide receiver and a running back, they don't always make everybody else better. And their life in the NFL is shorter than a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. Um, other notes from the combine, we all knew that this D line and front seven class was going to be freaky. They are super athletic. They have some great bend to them. Uh, Brian Burns showed up. He looked like a wide receiver. He guys a D end out of Florida state. Montez sweat stole a lot of people's hearts. He's going to be like a top 15 pick now. Ja'Kai polite, who was getting all these rave reviews and still looks to be really good. He's now looking like a second round pick because there's just so many D ends in front of him now. Not to mention the D-tackle class with Quinn and Williams. I didn't even mention Joey Bosa. So it's going to be a really strong front seven class. There's the two Devons, the linebackers, Bush and White. Uh, excited to look at seeing where these guys end up going. Because I think if you have a need along the front seven, man, you're going to get somebody in the first round. You can be drafting in the 20s, and you can be getting a guy that has top 10 potential. Ed Oliver. I'm seeing him go to the Atlanta Falcons at 15 a lot. Are you kidding me? Ed Oliver might be the best player in the class. It's it's crazy. I, I think, I mean, if he's there at like 12, 13, I think the Browns should trade up and go get Ed Oliver. I think that'd be a huge steal for them, and he'd solve their big problem on the defensive line. And, the, you know, the quarterbacks, there's always going to be a quarterback discussion, right? Uh, this year it's not between two quarterbacks in this class. It's between one of the quarterbacks in this class, Kyler Murray, and one of the quarterbacks in the last year's class, Josh Rosen. And Josh Rosen was drafted 10th overall by the Arizona Cardinals. They moved up to go get him because if you pay attention, that's what you got to do. If you want a quarterback in the first round, you got to go up and get him unless you're drafting first overall like the Cleveland Browns did. Other than that, the 10 of the 11 quarterbacks taken in the first round the last three years, teams had to move up to go get him, right? So that's what they did with Josh Rosen last year. It turns out they might not be set with Josh Rosen. Kyler Murray's interviewing poorly with teams, but Arizona loves him. And apparently Josh Rosen's being shopped around the market, according to Charlie Casserly. So this points to Cliff Kingsbury wanting Kyler Murray. I don't blame him. First of all, it adds another primetime game to the Cleveland Browns because that game, Browns-Cardinals, could be opening weekend Monday night. Kyler versus Baker. Number one overall picks, Oklahoma Heisman Trophy winners, college football playoff quarterback guys, Cliff Kingsbury versus Baker Mayfield. Also, Cliff was the one who didn't give Baker the scholarship at Texas Tech. And uh, Steve Wilkes, D coordinator of the Browns, was last year's Cardinals head coach. So there's a lot of storylines there. I'd be excited to watch that game, and I think uh, ESPN should make it a Monday Night Football game because it's a ratings bonanza, Kyler and, and Baker. Um, as opposed to what they're going to do with Josh Rosen, I wouldn't trade him if all you're getting is a third-round pick. 
I understand making a pick of Kyler Murray if you think he's a franchise guy, but you just moved up to get Josh Rosen. You need to make sure you get proper return on value. That guy can ball, and you need to make sure you don't just trade him just for the sake of trading him. I know you don't want to have a quarterback controversy with two straight first-round picks, but at the same time, you can't afford to just give him away and watch him go to Washington or New York or Pittsburgh, somewhere where they groom him for a year and then watch him take over, and then all of a sudden they have a franchise quarterback for 15 years. You can't just trade franchise quarterbacks for nothing. You need to make sure you're getting enough value. And if you don't think you're going to get enough value, you just don't trade him because you just can't be the loser of that deal, Steve Kime. And you just make sure you do that right. Um, you know, we're five days away from this NFL season. There are a lot of rumors running around. You know, Flacco just got traded to Denver. Case Keenum's getting traded to Washington. Things are things are moving. Things are happening. Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. We've got some big names. Not a whole lot of guys got franchise tags, so there are going to be a lot of dollars being thrown around. Browns have third most money in the NFL. They cut Jamie Collins. The Jets and the Colts are the only teams with more money than them to spend, at least this year. I, I know they, they have the weird rollover cap, but it's going to be interesting stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing a whole NFL podcast next week, right? Okay, so last thing before I get to Marvel. Talking about a new intro song. Guys, I want you to comment with what you want me to use as the new song. Comment on Instagram, on on Twitter, on Facebook, on Spotify, on what else do I use? Whatever else I use. Um, comment. What do you think I should use as my intro or outro song? Uh, I've heard uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth, The Best by Tina Turner, a couple Bruce songs like Trapped and Badlands were thrown out there, a couple Taylor Swift songs were thrown out there. So let me know what you want to hear as my, my intro-outro song because season three is starting in less than a month. No, I'm sorry, in less than two months. And for season three, I want to change up the music. Okay. Um, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Before I let you go, we're going to do a quick top five Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Okay? Lots to choose from. We're looking at 21 movies in this cinematic universe. And when I mean when I say that, that's not the X-Men movies. Uh, the only Hulk movie that is involved is the Edward Norton one. And... Yeah, I still haven't seen Captain Marvel yet. Going to see that tonight. But I've seen them all the rest. Okay. Number five, Black Panther. The only one to be nominated for Best Picture. Won a couple Academy Awards. In terms of music, it was great. Costuming and and and, de- and set design. All awesome stuff. The storyline was really cool. Did we kind of know what was happening? Because it's an origin movie. Yes, that's true. Um... Actually, no, it wasn't really an origin movie, was it? You know, it came out before Avengers, but after Civil War. So, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, not knowing what was going to happen, even though he was already credited to be in the next Avengers movie. Uh, Eric Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, one of the best villains in the MCU. It's too bad he only got one movie. Not to mention some good acting all around. 
Uh, they had some of the best of the best actors in this movie. And it's it, what they did with technology and what they did with, you know, Wakanda and how that came to all to life. Really cool. And they made it all about like kind of like an interior inferior oh, interior battle, I guess, like a civil war as well, which kind of stinks when you look at the real war that was coming that they had to fight themselves first. But, you know, I mean, that's what Killmonger did is that he convinced some of the tribes that they had to fight against each other. It's too bad that some people had to die, but really good movie, and uh, it gave us some really cool background of uh, you know T'Challa, the Black Panther, uh, and it didn't even involve any of the Infinity Stones. A lot of people thought it was going to involve the Soul Stone, and that it was going to be buried in, within Wakanda. Turns out, no, no Soul Stone in Wakanda. But a really good movie, and uh, it was, it, but it was really tight though. There were a lot of honorable mentions that were really tight for five and four. Okay, number four, Captain America, Civil War, right? There's three Captain America movies. I think they get better. A lot of people think Winter Soldier is better than Civil War. But to me, Civil War does too many things. Number one, you introduced Black Panther. You introduced Spider-Man. And in both of those cases, they made those characters awesome. Uh, you involved so many guys, like, you know, outside of just Captain America and Falcon, you involved Iron Man, War Machine, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, Vision, Ant-Man. I mean, it, it, it had it had everybody. And uh, it had one of the best fight scenes in any of the Marvel movies. Um, probably the best one outside of the Avengers um, Infinity War scene. So I, uh, I give it a lot of credit because it had really good character development because we also had a very important fight go on in the Civil War. I wasn't even that concerned with the whole, you know, Tony Stark, Bucky Barnes, like, aspect of it. I just thought learning where Cap was coming from versus where, you know, uh, Tony was coming from, very important, very character-developing moments. Not to mention, you get to see where every character sides on the whole, like, you know, law of, like, the Avengers, the, you know, of keeping them being like, hey, you know, you can't just act on your own. And I, I kind of loved seeing where everyone stood with that. Even though they're all going to work together afterwards, I thought it was a really good film. I thought it was just re really well done. And, uh, like I said, the Captain America movies, just like all the others, seem to get better. So I, th I think Civil War was an easy pick for a top five, uh, even though a lot of people have Winter Soldier ahead of it. Uh, number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, That is the one outlier of all these, is that it's the oldest one of these films. And I thought, I thought Guardians was awesome. And the second one's not as good as the first Guardians, but man, they do such an awesome job of bringing this team together. The music is, is great. The The very small, short origin story of Peter Quill is really good. You get to see that, like, you know, just what drives him in a very short time. They really show you his motivation. You get to see the motivations of all the characters in this and that they are kind of like outcasts, but they work together and they make this really cool super team that makes them the most fun part of this cinematic universe. And I thought the movie from start to finish was great and it's one of the most rewatchable 
Marvel movies, and that's why it's number three on this list. All right, number two, my favorite of the MCU is Thor Ragnarok. It's my favorite movie. I think it's the funniest by a very large margin. Without using too many characters, they introduced new ones like Jeff Goldblum and Tessa Thompson um, and Taika Waititi, who is the um, Waikiti, maybe? I'm not sure. He's the director and voices Korg. You have Loki. You have Heimdall. You have Cate uh, Blanchett is in it. Uh, it's it's um, Scourge, played by Keith Urban. Not Keith Urban. Mark Urban. Carl Urban. Carl Urban. Really great job of they kill off some characters, but introduce new characters. They have character sacrifice. Uh, they destroy a planet. They have definitely some of the worst things to happen in the MCU in this movie, yet you still feel hopeful at the end of it all. It's kind of like a really interesting standalone film because it, it happens at the same time as Civil War, while everyone else is fighting on Earth, Hulk and Thor are forming their team in outer space. Uh, not to mention, they kill off Anthony Hopkins in this one, and they kill uh, they kill off Asgard. It's a really great film. It's the funniest of the MCU. It is one of the most rewatchable ones. I would say it's I would say it's the most rewatchable one because it's at least like 45 minutes shorter than, than the Avenger movies, but it is, uh, it's my favorite. I love it. And if you haven't seen it, really go see it because it's, it just shows how much better Thor gets too. Like the first Thor spoiled little kid, good looking guy, long hair, not much story to him. Second Thor, really weird one. I mean, everyone knows that dark world was a very weird film, but then this one, like Thor's an adult now, and he could carry a whole franchise on his own by at this point. Like, uh, and I, I'd be really bummed if they kill him off because I need more Thor films, and I'm not sure how many of they're gonna be. And Chris Hemsworth has done a really super job with Thor. Um, and it, and you know what? A lot of these movies have end so happily. This one doesn't. You know, there's some happy things, but it goes right into. My number one movie, which shouldn't be any surprise at this point, but you know, it's it's a bit of a sad ending, and it's uh, it it really builds up what you're gonna get from Thor in the next two films. My number one movie shouldn't come as a surprise, all right. Uh, before we get to that, honorable mention: Winter Soldier. I mentioned from Captain America, really good film. Uh, I had it as like just there, but you know, if I was gonna pick one Captain America movie, it would be the one that introduced new characters. And had a really pivotal fight scene. And that was Civil War. Uh, the original Avengers was an honorable mention. Really good movie. Uh, it's in most people's top three. But to me it just it, it got surpassed by some other films. Because of just how the character development after. Since that Avengers movie. Um, Iron Man I think you know we you should always give it up to the first one. Uh it, it shaped Tony Stark. It shaped this universe. So I think it deserves that credit. Spider-Man Homecoming. A lot of people love this one. I don't love Spider-Man Homecoming that much. And I, you know, I, I don't want to shit on the movie because it's really good. I just don't love Peter Parker and I don't love 
that side of everything because I feel like it's just like the adventures of Spider-Man as opposed to like a really important storyline of, you know, the MCU. And then Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange I do feel like was really cool and a really awesome addition to this universe. Um, they've made him really important and they made his storyline so different than everyone else's. It's a really cool watch, and it's also on Netflix, so check it out. But number one is Avengers Infinity War, right? Surprise, surprise, this one is, like, the film. I don't care how long. They keep on warning us, saying that Endgame is going to be really long. I'm like, I don't care. Make it four hours, five hours. Dude, keep going. We're cool. Uh, but Infinity War was great. It was the culmination of so much character development, and... Uh, I'm just like, it, they did it so well. They highlighted, a, like, each main character got, like, their plenty amount of screen time. That was one worry I had. One concern going in was that they were not going to be able to, like, share the screen. And they did a great job of it. And I don't know how they're going to go into Endgame. I'm excited. I don't think they need trailers. Just don't give me any trailers. This film, though, something else. I mean, the crowd roar of when thor shows up with groot and rocket was something else he now has a weapon that can summon the bifrost that's huge um and of course it ends with the snap which a lot of people thought was going to happen at least in this one so that in the second one they could rebound and bounce back but i mean at, even the, the scene with the snap is just like heartbreaking I mean, Peter Parker, like, in Tony's arms is heartbreaking. They almost get it from Thanos. And they make Thanos, you know, outside of seeing him in end credit scenes, they show nothing of Thanos going into this movie. You know, we don't know anything about him other than he's the father of Gamora and Nebula. And that he wants to wipe out half the universe because... There's too many mouths to feed. But we didn't even know why at that point. They developed this villain so well in this one movie. It's it's I'm speechless. It's really great. Like, and it gets overlooked that like they did all the character development in this one film. You know, beforehand he didn't say a line. And I, I think a lot of theories go into you know, why he motivates like this. And I have my theories, you know, he had the Mind Stone for so long, he probably is cursed with knowledge. You know, he says, I'm cursed with knowledge and mentions that to Tony Stark. There's a reason. And it's because he had the Mind Stone for so long and I think he saw what had to happen and he is acting based on the stone. Then that's, you know, it's just a theory, but it, you know, should be mentioned that he did have the Mind Stone. But, they did such a great job of developing him. I wish they had given us a little bit more from the children of Thanos, right? We didn't even get their names in the movie. Like People knew their names because of knowing them from the comics. You know, Ebony Maw and Proxima Midnight. Uh, but like, they didn't say those names in the movie. And they killed them all off. So... They killed off four villains, and I didn't really feel anything when they died because they felt like just henchmen. They didn't feel like real villains, and I think they should have did a better job with that. They should have snuck them into some films and get them as like the lieutenants in the army so that we could have some build-up. 
it's really the only thing that keeps this from like the perfect movie is that they did fail to give us any reason to be like applauding when they kill off Proxima Midnight. And, like like I don't know how how great of an assassin she is. I've never seen anyone fear her. She was basically just in here. Was supposed to get a stone, didn't get it, and that's and that's all she is in this universe. So I just wish they had done a better job developing those characters, but. Anyway, it's still the best movie, and it is going to be oh, its going to be so cool when we go in to see Endgame. Now, tonight, going to see Captain Marvel. Uh, I, I don't think it will change my top five. You guys know that when I do see a movie, I come back, and I am like Mr. Fan of the movie. I mean, when, right after I saw Spider-Man 3, I thought it was one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. That's how like positive I am seeing after movies. So when you hear from me next, I will be doing a one-minute movie review of Captain Marvel right at the end of this podcast. So I will give you the warning to skip ahead the one minute to make sure you don't hear any spoilers. But I bet it's going to be good. I've heard great reviews. I heard uh, it's like a typical origin story where it has its lows and its boring points. But it also has a couple callbacks to the Avengers. And it has a one of the best post-credit scenes. And one of the better fight scenes. And Ben Mendo, Ben Mendelsohn, one of my favorite actors, is in it. And Jude Law apparently is pre- pretty good. And they do a really good job with Sam Jackson. Like There are a lot to be excited for. And hopefully this holds me over until April. Oh shit, yeah. I mean, like we're only six weeks away from Game of Thrones, NFL Draft, and in, and in not Infinity War in Endgame, I mean that's going to be a really fun weekend in April. I might as well just take off that Monday so I can see the movie again and watch Game of Thrones because that'll be, I think that'll be Battle of Winterfell at that point. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to pause for the one minute movie review, which I'm going to go see in 20 minutes. So hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you guys so much, and I will talk to you later. Okay, so if you want to avoid spoilers for Captain Marvel, skip to the end of the show right now. This should be about a one-minute one mo- one minute movie review. So, okay, Captain Marvel. Just saw it. It's a quick two hours. Really good movie. In terms of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, it does a great job of tying in uh, a couple of unanswered questions we had. Um, there are a few different nods to the Avengers, which make it absolutely great. Um, it, but it's good on its own, too. It's, you know, like any type of these origin story movies, they get a little, like, you know, boring at times. But this one was pretty good because there was so much we wanted to know about, and it's still tied in. It wasn't like... Ant-Man, which didn't really seem integral to the storyline, and Black Panther's origin story, you know, like, it was kind of, like, happening at the same time, and again, that wasn't really integral to the storyline. This one happens to be very important, um, as we see where she gets her powers from, who she actually is, and and another thing I like is that there are a lot of questions early in the movie but by the end of the movie, everything is answered. Uh, you don't leave the theater having any questions about Carol Danvers, 
where she's from, who she is, what race she belongs to. They, they do a really good job of tying it all together. Um, music was great. They, they, you know, anytime you tug at my like nineties nostalgia, uh, that's always a good thing. I, I loved that. That was a lot of fun. Fight scenes were pretty good. You got to see her like learn her abilities and that it wasn't just like, Oh, one day she like picked it up. Like, you know, I think they kind of rushed that through Steve Rogers and, um, they didn't really rush it through Iron Man, even though he picked it up pretty quickly, like flying and stuff. But with her, you could see like she's been training and it was like a, a real thing that she had to like focus and contain everything. And then once she got like the full energy source to her advantage, she really like, you know, cut loose. So um, I like that they did that. They had a couple wink wink moments, but it wasn't too much. Uh, love how it all came together with how she's going to be named Captain Marvel. And, you know, it had to do with her, like the, she was a student of Marvel. And you know what? That's something a lot of people pick up on during the movie. But me, I like, when I'm in a movie, I don't think about things like that. I just like get sucked into the here and now so that it catches me off guard later. Uh, Sam Jackson was great. I think it was his best, performance in any of the mcu movies uh brie larson was good she she looked she was so much better in the movie than she looked like she was going to be in the trailer um i i know i like got sounded critical when seeing the trailer for the first time because i thought like man her voice is just like it's very like high pitched i don't know why it felt like they did something to it but it worked in the movie and um i mean she you know she's a powerhouse the only problem i have is it just seems like She's going to easily defeat Thanos when it comes that, to that. And that I kind of have a problem with because I'm like, oh, if it's just like call her in and have her defeat Thanos, I, I kind of think that's like a, a cheap way to go through the next movie. Like I want it to be a battle. I want it to be a fight. And I, I, I wish she wasn't like, you know, she looks more powerful than like any being in the universe. And um, that kind of seems like an easy out. So, um, but we'll see, you know, like, like they can hone that in a little bit. They can show Thanos is like real like powers. Cause it does seem like the infinity stones altogether equal this energy source that blasted her, uh, in the first place. And I, I think the energy source comes from the space stone, which we learn was on earth and, uh, her like Lieutenant or whatever person in charge was, uh, was teacher, but it, it was, um, really good movie. I put it at like the mid eighties. I think it's somewhere around Dr. Strange. I probably put it a little bit above Dr. Strange. I think it's in that like eight, nine, 10, 11 area in terms of Marvel movies. It's not quite top five. Okay. But it is in the top 10 conversation. So anyway, uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I know that one minute movie review was a tad long winded, but it was a good movie. And, the post-credit scenes, wow, uh, great mid-credit scene, and then a funny like post-credit scene. Like I like how Marvel gives you two of them now. So, anyway, it, it was great. Can't wait for six weeks to see Endgame. It's gonna be. I can't believe it's already here. It's already coming up. Like this is this is madness. So, anyway, thanks for listening to the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, have a great weekend. I'll see you next week. We'll talk about baseball, football and uh, Game of Thrones and Bachelor Nation. All right, take care.